Hello, everyone, and welcome to the ninth episode of the Tuesday Night Podcast. Oh, wow. I think that's right. Almost double digits. My name is SBJ, and with me today, I have Alan. Hey, that's me. I, I'm me. That's you. You are you. My name's Alan. Also with us today, I have Sean. Hey, how's it going? Good. Uh, we are recording on a Sunday morning, which is different than our usual Tuesday nights uh, or Thursday nights comes out on tuesday nights spoiler but uh <laughs> <laughs> uh you guys were off doing some crazy stuff which uh we'll probably talk about in a bit here yeah yeah but uh we got a exciting show for you guys today we got table talk mm-hmm. uh which might run a little shorter than normal um and then we have that's going to lead into some that's going to lead into why we were re- were recording later than normal and then our middle talk topic will be favorite board game conventions because uh, BGG Con is coming up. Yeah, and uh, then we'll probably end with. Uh, How about we do shameless plugs? Okay, we'll do some shameless plugs. Uh, yeah. Trying to keep the show under forty minutes here, so yeah, we're already two minutes in. So <laughs> we're already down the drain. Uh, let's jump <laughs> right into table talk. And uh, this is where we talk about what we've been recently playing. Unfortunately, I haven't been playing anything. I've been very busy with a work project, but... Oh my goodness, man. I've also oh. been very busy with Fallout 4, so that was also... Oh, oh yeah, that's Fallout right. 4. I'm not on that bandwagon, unfortunately. But uh, as a professor of psychology, many of my students are. The attendance <laughs> was horrible on Tuesday. Did you just have like a lot of people not come in? Yeah, and the thing is, I don't. My attendance policy is I don't have one. Just don't miss a test, because if you can do better in class by not showing up, by all means, learn on your own. I'm not going to force you to sit there. <laughs> You're paying for the class. Not showing up to classes like moving, buying a movie ticket, and not going to the movie. I'll take two for Avengers Two. Suckers never watching that movie so it doesn't make sense for me to force them into that so in this way my students can be honest and say yeah i was just playing fallout sorry it's like no problem how was it you sound like a great teacher yep yep <laughs> yes i am <laughs> i'm the best but have you guys been playing something oh yeah i almost want to see what's your work project you should treat that like a game oh um <laughs> it's it's real silly uh so i I do all the web stuff at my work, and uh, like a year or two ago, they found out that I'm actually certified in Final Cut. <laughs> well, like I'm, I'm not great at photo or at video editing. I just like when I worked at Apple, they had certifications, and I was like, oh, like That's I'll right. just certify myself in Final Cut. That'll be cool. I can put that on my LinkedIn. That's real sweet. <laughs> and they have this video from like somebody else like cut and edit this video for them, and they were like, hey, we need to cut and edit this again. If we let you work at home the next couple of days, do you think you can get it done? I was like, uh, I guess. Well, Fall the... 4 just came out. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, at least I can like work on my own schedule then if I'm working at home. Did you ask them what their attendance policy was? <laughs> oh, I know what it is. <laughs> okay. um, and so 
I got the video and it's in Adobe Premiere, Oof. not in Final Cut. Which I actually prefer these days. Um, but yeah, there's definitely a learning curve. Um, yeah, it's, it's, switching it's, from one to the other. Right, and it's, it's just like Mac versus PC. Like they both do the same thing at the end of the day. Just the, the tool set is initially different, and I don't know if I have an updated copy of Premiere on my work computer or on my personal computer uh, to get this done. So I'll have to figure that out. I'm so jealous because all of you guys know this stuff, Premiere and What's It and Who's It's and the Bebops, because mm-hmm. they actually teach that stuff in grade school nowadays. When I was in grade school, they said, hey, we got this thing you should take because it'll probably be important in the future. It's called typing. So I learned <laughs> how to type, but there was never any type of programming or Photoshop or video editing in my school at all. I think uh, that was... So- I'm sorry. I think that was my biggest regret was never taking like more coding classes in high school. We had one in high school, but it was really simple. I mean, it was like border. It was just baseline HTML. And I took a typing class in elementary school. But yeah, that was after my generation um, and still heavily dependent on the school you went to. I do want to do a little shout back to our last episode because I said Twitch I don't get it, but I've been watching Twitch and I got to watch the Heroes of the Storm championship that was live. Yeah, pretty cool stuff. So now I've got that problem. Now I watch Twitch. Well, did you, uh, good transition here. Did you both stream for? No, I was on a stream, but we don't have our own stream. Maybe we should get one for Tuesday nights or something. But yeah, I did the Extra Life charity thing, as we talked about last week. And that's where I played a bunch of games all night long. Well, let's hear a couple. Yeah. Okay. Um, The two I think worth mentioning are both Bezier games. Uh, Ted Elspeck, now he's not the designer for both of these games. But one of them is The Favor of the Pharaoh. And the other one is One Night Vampire. And I remember recent previously I talked about One Night Revolution. So it's interesting that I played One Night Revolution and then One Night Vampire. But Favor of the Pharaoh isn't even out yet. That's going to be out in a couple weeks. So it's cool that I got to play an advanced copy. So listeners are probably going to be more excited about me talking about that. You guys want to hear one of these things? Quick tidbit about Favor of the Pharaoh. Um, Ted Alspec at one point sent me the logo for that and asked me to tool around with it to see if I could improve on it. Um, and I, the final logo is not, you know, what I designed by any means, but you know, we worked together and I sent him some feedback, which he really liked. And it was just kind of a cool little, I don't know. It was just sort of an inside helpy thing. I don't know. It was fun. That's cool. Cause I thought I was really tight with Ted, but here you are behind my back working with Ted. He's, he's like our third. He's our polyamorous third, I guess. He's a really good guy. He was so nice to us. Like, when we were super up and coming, helpful, which, oh you know, goodness. we still are, but um, very, very like just came right out of the game. It was like, I love the game. Let me know if you guys need any help. Like, you know, great guy. Yeah. So let me take a dump all over his games. <laughs> before <laughs> before you talk about the Pharaoh game, yeah. real quick on One Night Vampire. Yeah. Is it better than One Night Werewolf? Well, I'm going to be totally honest. It, in my personal opinion, is not. This is why. Because in One Night Werewolf, part of the beauty is the simple entry level, the simplicity, the beauty. I've actually taught One Night Werewolf without teaching anyone anything. I just dealt out the cards and played the app, and they learned it. I don't recommend doing that because it's stressful as hell for the people who don't know how to play. 
but you can actually just follow along with the app. It tells you if you're the robber, open your eyes. Robber, switch your card with another person. Robber, close your eyes. So One Night Vampire has more complexity because there's like three phases to the game because the first one people go and there's tokens that do things. Everyone starts with a clarity token in front of them and the clarity token doesn't do anything. It's just that everyone has to have a token in front of them. And then vampires wake up and one of the vampires gets to choose a non-vampire character and switch their clarity token with a vampire token. So they just transform someone into a vampire. And then there's like a gremlin that can switch tokens and all sorts of things. And then there's a priest that creates more clarity. It's, it's a lot more bogged down, but still a decent go. It will take you more than one game to understand it and get into it. So that's the only thing, but it's a solid entry. I recommend it. I recommend it mostly for people who already know and love one night werewolf and they want a little extra complexity or depth into it. Okay, cool. Yeah. I think my problem with the expansion to one night werewolf is it just, it didn't change the base game. Like it gave you new rule sets, but within a game you could figure out the, the problem just as quickly as you could with the original game. Yeah, you'd probably like One Night Vampire then. Yeah. Because of the difference. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you sold me on it. I don't know if you sold our listeners, but I'm sold on it. Very cool. Very cool. Cool. You want to hear about Favor of the Pharaoh then? Yeah. Okay, so here's what I think. We're going to do this elevator style, but to make it more interesting for you guys and our listeners, and especially for Sean, because I know he doesn't like hearing this, here's what I think we should do from now on with the elevator pitch. Uh, We have a designated dinger, whoever says the ding to start, but I think... The pitch should be aimed towards a specific person. So you have to give this specific person the pitch for the game. So, for instance, if I'm going in this elevator, you guys tell me, who am I giving this pitch to? To whom is it? It could be anyone. I have a list here of like possible, like Ava Braun was one idea. You guys know, or, I don't know or, who that is. It's Hitler's uh, wife. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, reluctant terrorist, uh, pro wrestler. Uh, who's really sad because someone forgot his birthday. I like that uh, one. You like that one? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. Should I go with that one for now? Absolutely. <laughs> so you set yourself up for this. You called I them really, the thunder. I really should have thought this through. I should have introduced this after I did my pitch. All right. So, oh, crap, this is going to make it something I'm bad at even worse. Okay. Ding! Hey, why the long face? Someone forget your ba- b- birthday? God, I suck at stuff. Well, no problem, brother, because I got something that's pretty fun for you. It's a simple dice game, or is it? It's called Favor of the Pharaoh. And you're going to go ahead and you're going to wrestle with these dice and you're going to roll them. And everyone's competing. It's a pretty simple game because all you have to do is be the person who gets the favor of the queen first. And the way you get the favor of the queen is by rolling seven of a kind on dice. But you only start off with, I believe, four dice. And when you roll certain combinations, you get to unlock different abilities, including more dice or being able to nudge your dice. So it's this machine game where you keep on rolling dice and you keep on leveling up yourself so you can do more and more different things with your abilities. But then the first player who can get seven of kind gets the favor of the queen or the favor of the pharaoh and you win the game. If you like Macho Cory, brother, you're going to love favor of the pharaoh. Now get out there and enjoy your birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> that was a good well pitch. Well done. Yeah, I think that 
wrestler would have bought Favor the Pharaoh. Cool. I, I, that pitch. A pitch. I should just call it an explanation. Because I think you would have made his day if you gave him a copy as he left the elevator. Yeah. Because it's his birthday. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I feel like we need some type of official end to the elevator pitch, like or like another ding. Anyway, uh, but that's Favor of the Pharaoh. It's really cool. You guys have questions about it? I don't. I'm more excited to talk about uh, the other games we were playing this week and the reason why we couldn't record. Let me ask you, SBJ. You're a fan of Machi Koro, right? Yes, I am. I'm a big fan. You're a big fan of Machi Koro. I like this game much more than Machi Koro, but to be fair, I've never played Machi Koro with the expansions, and I hear the expansions are what really make it sing. So I only played the base Machi Koro. What's your favorite thing about Machi Koro? Well, with the base expansions, because Machi Koro is good base-wise, just like one or two games before you kind of you kind of figure out a pattern that works for you and that's kind of foolproof for every game going forward. Um, but the expansions really randomize and make you think of a specific strategy. I know some people might be like, there's no strategy in Machi Koro, you're just rolling dice. Well, there definitely is a strategy when it comes to like, if I buy this place, it blocks that person from buying it or or whatever. Like you can build so at least every dice roll, something is going to happen for you. So you can work around that. But I like it as a push your luck kind of game like you can you still you're still in control of the choices you're making and how you're spending your money but it still has that uh push your luck so a new person doesn't feel like they're just at a huge disadvantage because i've played it 14 times and they've never played it i've got to say the cool thing about favor of the pharaoh is the amount of control you have on your dice it starts off as such a simple stupid game because there's these tiered rewards so you can't get a reward until you have a certain amount of dice. For instance, there's a reward for rolling six of a kind, basically, but that's impossible if you only have four dice. So you start unlocking them as you get higher and higher, but there's so many little things that make it so you can control the dice. Uh, and you get to re-roll them any number of times. You just have to lock one every time. So if I roll five dice, I can choose to lock any number, but as soon as I lock just one, I can re-roll all of them. And it adds so much strategy to the point where at end game, you realize this game is actually really heavy because you have so many choices. I think that it's a beautiful example of elegance in a way. And an elegant game traditionally has been defined as a balance between simplicity and depth because simplicity and shallow are not the same thing. Simplicity means uh, the opposite of simplicity is complexity, where you have to do so many mathematical computations in your mind and it's really hard to follow. But depth is the importance of your decisions. So shallow means is Candyland. Like there are no decisions. The only decision you have to make is, well, which purple do I go to, left or right? But depth means your decisions have a whole bunch of consequences. I think it's a great example. Anyways, on. I'm spooging all over this thing. I oh. need to stop. Let's move on. One, 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 one question about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is everyone rolling their dice at the same time, or is it turn-based like King of Tokyo? It is turn-based. So that is a weakness where you will be watching other people roll their dice, and there is no interactivity uh, when it's not your turn. Yeah. So that maybe, is a complaint. Maybe that's why I like Bachi Karo, because they're really only run, rolling one dice. So it's very, like, it's very simple, whereas King of Tokyo, it's like, oh, they're rolling their dice three times, and that adds up when you're playing with five people with but with machi Koro, it's just one yeah. dice roll and the the longest decision they're making is what they want to buy which they usually already have in their mind 
as they're waiting for everyone else. So it makes it go very quickly. Yeah, with this one, there's not too much weight in what you buy because the options are very limited based upon what you roll. But getting your dice there can take time. I played with four players. It wasn't too cumbersome, but I do think I need to mention that it has almost infinite replayability because there's only so many abilities that are on the board and you can swap them out between games. So any of the abilities that I saw didn't have player interactivity between turns, but maybe there are some. So, yeah. Okay, cool. Cool. Sounds awesome. Sean, what did you play? That's a great question. Uh, <laughs> I think this is the big, big Let's news reveal. for us, right? Yeah. I'm s- yeah. Go for it, man. <laughs> okay. I feel bad. I'm, uh, so we weren't able to record on Thursday because we went to Providence, Rhode Island for a special meeting with a company by the name of Hasbro. Because Hasbro was interested in a family-friendly version of Two Rooms and a Boom that they could publish. So it was very exciting and nervous because this is as big as it gets. And we got shipped out to Hasbro and we just had an evening playing some of our games with Hasbro that we are willing to part ways with, if you will, that we think would be a good match for Hasbro. Epitome of exciting, let me tell you, walking into Hasbro... From the outside, the building, we pull up to Hasbro, and it just looks like some type of regular old warehouse. Uh, except that, of course, it has a Hasbro sign. But as soon as you walk into the front door, you're greeted there's by... there's a Mr. Potato Head outside. <laughs> exactly. That's a Mr. Potato You're greeted by Mr. Potato Head. It's incredible. And then you walk on in, and there's hallways that are beautiful. Sean, why are these hallways so beautiful? They just fill them up with so many different products and you really don't realize like, I mean, Hasbro is a huge company, but um, since they also own like Milton Bradley and I want to say Parker Brothers, you know, um, beyond the toy line, like G.I. Joe, Star Wars, I think Transformers, My Little Pony, all that sort of stuff. They have this huge board game collection um, and the holes. I mean, it looks like you're basically in a convention, I would say. Um, Just different products lining the walls, things like that. Yeah, it's a whole hallway. So the first hallway is just their current intellectual property hallway where they have a pretty – I think each one's like 10 by 10. So I think you're right. It does kind of look like a convention where it's a long hallway and every 10 feet is a new thing. For Nerf, for instance, they own Nerf and they have all their guns on racks. It looked like some type of bunker for uh, gun enthusiasts except it was all Nerf guns. They're all hanging up on there and it showed how to assemble some of them and their latest guns and then their swords and everything. Then they had My Little Pony and Transformers and lots of Star Wars toys. Really cool as you went through. So you felt like you were going through a convention hall that was just one long hallway, but it was all Hasbro stuff. Super cool. And then the other hallway, you get to the end and you turn left, and the hallway is the Hall of History, where it actually has all the historic games that made Hasbro what it is today. And we got to hear the stories behind all that, which is an amazing history story in the tabletop industry. Yeah. One thing I was thinking of while we were there was that um, there's this sort of divide between new board gamers and old board gamers where people want to say, Hey, board gaming isn't just monopoly and clue and risk. Like there's so much more to the hobby, but the more we sort of learned about the history and how board gaming came to be, um, it sort of dawned on me that like, man, if we knew more about our history and how we got here, I think there'd be a lot more, I don't want to say gratitude. Like everybody loves, you know, monopoly, but, it would be clear like how much more these games sort of paved the way 
for you know the board game renaissance that we have right now? Part of the history of Hasbro, they started as a pencil box company. So mm-hmm. school kids would carry their pencils in these pencil boxes. And then they started putting little free toys in there. And those ones sold so much more. And eventually Hasbro said, why don't we just get rid of the pencil box and start making toys? <laughs> Let me quiz you on this, SBJ. Do you know the first ever toy that was televised on a commercial? Uh, is it the Slinky? It is not. It's a good guess, though. It is a good guess, although I think Slinky is 80s or 70s. So this is well before. That's, I mean, Slinky's after color. I think I could be totally wrong on that. Don't quote me on that. It's just got a very iconic commercial, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who greeted us at Hasbro, SBJ? Oh, Mr. Potato Head. Mr. Potato Head, first thought... televised commercial for toy ever. I thought that would have might have been too obvious. And I also think the Slinky is way older than Mr. Potato Head, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I don't, Googling. I don't yeah. <laughs> Get some uh, fact checks here. <laughs> but the cool thing is Mr. Potato Head originally was a toy that you could not sell nowadays, uh, at least to kids, because all it was were little body parts with huge spikes on them because you actually had to provide your own potato or radish or beet whatever you wanted to, to make potato, but they recommended potato more than anything. And then later on, they actually made really weird looking Mr. Potato Head. And so we got to see this in the Hall of History where we got to see the original Potato Head and its little parts. And then the Mr. Potato Head that was actually plastic. And then finally what it is today where he actually contains his parts. In his butt. In his butt. Yep. A little, uh, a little history about Mr. Potato Head versus Slinky. Uh, SBJ, you're right. Slinky did come out before Mr. Potato Head. It came out in 1943. Mr. Okay. Potato Head came out in um, 1949. Um, however, Mr. Potato Head did have the first television commercial. Um, but Slinky has the longest running jingle. Oh, interesting. Do you guys well, know the jingle? Little tidbits. I like... Something stares, da 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 slinky. That's it, right? Man, that takes me back to before 1940. To when you lost your virginity to the slinky <laughs> jingle. <laughs> yeah. So so did uh, did Hasbro just find you guys? Is that what happened? That's my impression. Um, there's a guy there who works in inventor relations, um, and he ran into us at Gen Con, gave us a Dougal card. Google Grimes. Dougal Grimes. And then uh, followed up with us. Was this the past Gen Con? I'm sorry. Yes, yes. Gen Con 2015. Yeah. This is the way I like to tell the story because it's not really true. But Hasbro <laughs> said, man, we need better party games. We need a better party game lineup. It's been a while, and the industry's changing. We're in this board game renaissance, and we need to attract families, but also more gamers. Who makes the best party games ever? Tuesday Night Games. We got we to gotta talk to Tuesday Night Games. So they saw us at our booth. That's how I like to tell this story. <laughs> the but way they I did tell the story is, who makes party games? Everyone. Let's go talk to everyone. We have the resources to do that. <laughs> yeah. so, but we got an invite, and we came in. It was cool. Really uh, cool. So let's say for an example, maybe I'm not allowed to ask this, maybe I am, but let's say they want to stick Hasbro on two rooms in a boom and put it into every single Target, Barnes & Noble, Walmart. Does that 
remove two rooms in a boom from you guys completely and you just get like a, a paycheck once a month for however many copies they sell or how's, if, how's, how's that work? If that was what they were going to do, which I don't think is where the way we're going, um, they would sort of license terms in a boom from us. Um, and it's, yeah, it's very similar to like a game designer um, to where they would pay us a royalty and, you know, the game would go wherever they wanted to distribute it and we'd get cut in on checks on that. Theoretically, they were never interested in Terms of Boom as it currently is. The theme is just too dark. Um, <laughs> so, you know, People up. the idea would be theoretically that we develop, you know, a theme that was more appropriate or work with one of their existing intellectual properties um, to sort of get the game out there. Um, and, you know, we would retain, we would continue selling Terms of Boom on our own um, and they'd be selling sort of their version, which, you know, was a major point of. Um, discussion, you know, internally at Tuesday Night Games about whether that would be good for us, whether it'd be good for the game, that kind of stuff. Right. I'm not sure if this is the way it's going to happen, but ideally the way I picture it in my mind's eye is when I go to Toys R Us, I see the Angry Birds game and it has a Hasbro logo on it. It has a Star Wars logo on it and it has an Angry Birds logo on it. Those three logos right next to each other. I imagine Hasbro and Tuesday Night Games right next to each other with a game that is not two rooms in a boom. And of course, yeah, the Tuesday Night Games logo. Yeah. Because you said Hasbro, Star Wars, and Angry Birds. And then I said, didn't I say and it? Then and then, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. I said what I said. So uh, did the... <laughs> you guys are obviously in a very good mood. You're willing to talk about this. I'm assuming the whole interaction with Hasbro went very well. No, they kicked us out and a lawsuit pending against us. Apparently, we weren't supposed to touch a new toy. Sean broke it, started running all over the place. They had to get a fire extinguisher to, yeah, he said, Slinky for life, and just started throwing it at all the Mr. Potato Heads. It made some kind of like barbed wire obstacle course out of the whole place in an oppressively short amount of time. Or it went really well and none of that actually happened. I think it did go really well. I think it did too. I think it did too. Uh, and that's where Sean, was it, were these the only games you got to play all week? Were the ones we played with Hasbro? No, I played some other games last night, but let's talk about the games uh, we played at Hasbro. So did you guys have like a big game of two rooms and a boom with the, the? I, I just imagine, and I'm probably really wrong, that the people at Hasbro are all just like wearing suits. <laughs> it's like, funny because I kind of had that thought too when I went there. I was actually really surprised at how fun the environment was. Um, like the only like difference in their suit is they have like like a, a tie with Mr. Potato Head or somebody has like a tie with Barbie, and that's how like they they stand this out. Was my, I was thinking the exact same thing. I was thinking we may not even actually see any Hasbro toys except maybe in an office. Mm-hmm. But when we walked in. It was the tabletop gamer equivalent of Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. Yeah. They were Oompa Loompas where they were just down <laughs> to play anything. People were walking around, running around, testing things out, playing games. It was so cool, so fun. My, if I could go back in time and tell my 12-year-old self, hey, eventually you're going to have a meeting with Hasbro and you're going to be making board games. I would have been super thrilled. So in a weird way, I'm directly living the dream. It was amazing. <laughs> so did you guys play like a big game of two rooms and a boom with them then? 
We did not. They had already played a bunch of games of Two Rooms and a Boom, and they were telling us about how much they loved it. And what they would do is they started with like 12 players or something, but before the first game was over, they had 30 players. I believe that's an accurate description of what they yeah, told us. I think they us. were saying, yeah, people were sticking their heads in like, what, uh, what, uh, what are you guys playing there? <laughs> yeah, cool. so it was contagious. So what did you end up playing with them? I was waiting for Shelly. Uh This they, is all you, man. Okay, they were really interested in Dinner of Doom, which we've talked about in this podcast, which is the... It's funny because it still involves murder, but I guess it's not the president, so it's more family acceptable. And it's at a single table. So it's two rooms and a boom at a table. And it uses special cards that actually have two different sides to them. And they're in an invitation envelope. So you get this invitation to a will reading. And on one side, it lets you know if you're a friend or family. And on the other side, it lets you know what specifically you are, who specifically you are. If you're a stubborn friend or a stubborn family member, maybe you're a coy family or maybe you are the schemer who's planning on getting the inheritance back to the family. So it all takes place around a single table and they really wanted to see that. That was one of the main things they asked to put on the table. <laughs> and I think it went really well. They had a lot of fun with that. Um, it was a gorgeous prototype, uh, played really well. We had a good oh, time with thanks. the game. Yeah, there was a lot of asterisks too, as I said, footnotes, because as I played the game, I said, hey, just so you know, this is totally beta. And they gave a compliment. They said, it's better than 90% of the games that we get to see. And all I could think was, damn that 10%. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, but it was it was, it was beta. But they, it went over really well, uh, I thought. They seemed to enjoy it. We only played one game of that. Um, and then they said, what else do you have? And then we pulled out 1001 Tuesday Nights. Did we talk about this before? I think you might have mentioned it. I don't think we did talk about 1001 Tuesday Nights. But you know what I'd like to do? <laughs> I'd like to put Sean on the spot and have him do an elevator pitch with um, it's, it's your significant other, Sean, and mm -hmm. she has amnesia. Mm -hmm. And you have to explain... <laughs> 1001 Tuesday nights to her within a minute. Hey, Lindsay, it's uh, me, Sean, the guy you've been with for a little while here. Uh, look, I know you've never played this game before. and I've never told you about it, but there's this game called 1001 Tuesday nights that Alan designed. It's super fun. Um, it's basically sort of like a legacy dare game where you have all these blank cards and you get to write rules on them uh, that your friends sort of get to compete for for points. Uh, but the great thing is that every game you keep adding new rules to the deck. And so the game sort of becomes a living, breathing record of every time you've played the game before. Uh, it's super fun. It plays super fast. And um, please just come back to me. <laughs> That's what I got. <laughs> All right. I love it. I love the uh, I'm really proud of myself for coming up with pitching it to a specific person. It's adding so much, at least selfishly for me. Uh, very good. It's it's tempting to chime in and be like, what? Who are you? But I want to insult her with my horrible impersonation. Very cool. Yeah, the the cards have directions on them though so it's not just a blank card where you can write any rule you want it will say 
hey, kind of more like a Mad Lib thing. So it gives you some cues, and then you have to figure out the rest, and you put a point value on there. And then people either have to do something the quickest, like first one to touch their nose, get some positive points, or the last person to stand up and spin around uh, gets this negative point card. So that's that's basically the game with Thousand One Tuesday Nights. Questions? And that went over well, I'm assuming. Yeah, it went over incredibly well. Um we had a great time at one point. Uh, a couple of the Hasbro guys were running down the hallways trying to be the first one to touch a toilet. We were just laughing nonstop. Um, and now Alan's personal legacy sort of 1001 Tuesday Night Game or Tuesday Night's deck has some Hasbro cards in it, which is pretty cool. Yeah, the our late our, our main lia- liaison. Let me say that again. Cut that out, please. Our main liaison from Hasbro named Dougal Grimes, he actually made this really brilliant card, which was there's judge cards where whoever plays it gets to judge and then it's a competition. And his judge card was whoever does the best impersonation of getting shot with a hundred bullets, trying to get away from a heist gone bad. Hilarious. <laughs> Super fun. One thing I, I don't even know is they took a deck to play with them the next day. You know, we were only there for one meeting, then we flew back home. But they wanted to borrow Alan's deck for the morning, where they were going to have an offsite and play. Um, Alan, you ran into Dougal after that. Did he give you any idea about how well it went with the team? Yeah. So he handed back the deck, and of course, I had to ask him like, "How'd it go?" And his response was, "Hey, listen, I'm not sure what your relationship with Sean is, but we're really interested in you over here at Hasbro because this is brilliant and." I'm not sure if this guy's more of a sail on your boat or an anchor on your boat keeping you back, but we're <laughs> no, uh, what he actually said was Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> what he actually said was, uh, it was great. Make sure you send me the files uh, for these. So I have to send the files because he wanted to hand me back my own deck because it's full of my friends cards that they've made. And most of them are very personal and inappropriate. Like one of them is literally the last person to touch Alan gets this card. So it's where people are running around trying to touch me. <laughs> it's, it's what, I didn't make that card. So uh-huh. ordered my wife, which is kind of why it's a contentious card. But anyway, a little hot topic. It's a hot topic. Yeah. <laughs> well, awesome. Do you guys have uh, anything else you want to say about Hasbro? We're running a little long, but I don't want to. I want to make sure we don't miss anything. It was a really great experience, I think. Um, I think you always got to be careful, right, when you're talking about your own intellectual property with another company. Um, but the people we worked with and sort of their party games division were super fun, great to play with, had a lot of really great energy. And in a lot of ways, I was just jealous that, you know, they're working at this huge company with a lot of resources, doing, you know, a lot of the same types of stuff that Alan and I do, but just the huge breadth and scope of what they're able to accomplish is is kind of staggering at the same time it made me really appreciate our small company because we don't have all the hurdles that they have to go through because let's suppose they really love either of those games there's so many levels that they have to go through for approval and they have to go through corporate and their lawyers to go through it with a fine comb and sort out any type of issues they may have and they're trying to change that model because the original model from my understanding of what they explained is even if we love a game, it takes time for it to get published, to go through all these different levels of approval, etc. So it made me really appreciate the fact that we can make a game called Two Rooms and a Boom, but they really couldn't. So there is that side of it. 
Had a blast, though. I will be annoying the piss out of people for months about all the history lessons and stories I had at Hasbro. It was amazing. That's really, really cool. Well, um, we are approaching 40 minutes here, so we probably have to cut uh, our favorite conventions. I don't feel Save like we for next time. Yeah, I don't feel like we'd be able to do it justice here. We have BGGCon coming up, which is why we probably I won't be available on Thursday to record next week either. Yeah, um, I prepped. I for once planned ahead, and I have substitutes in. Oh, sweet! sweet. Who do you uh, got? Yeah, uh, I have two of the guys of my other podcast. Who there we go. I meet up with Gen Con at every year, so they're very into board games. Very cool. Make sure you do some elevator pitches with some characters. Give someone <laughs> Ava Braun. I want to hear someone do an Ava Braun. And they'll be like, who's that? And you'll have to be like, uh, Hitler's And then wife. I'll know. I'll know for once. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll be totally honest. The only reason I knew that so well was because of monikers. It's a card in monikers. So it comes oh, okay, up. Okay. Okay. Yep. Yep. And our weekly pitch. pitch for people to buy monikers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In fact, we should just go into our shameless plugs. I actually uh, sold monikers to somebody. Well, not like physically sold, but they were like, hey, I'm having a party with a bunch of girls. We're having a huge girl night. What should I get? That's easy. They don't play board games. And I was like, monikers, I feel like is the easiest thing I could tell you right now. <laughs> I feel like the two things we talk about more on the show than anything else are uh, Donald from Board With Life and monikers. <laughs> and SBJ's uh, Twitter handle. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah the trifecta. Up. Uh, I was going to mention my friend Don Stroud just so that he personally will listen to the podcast. There you go. Let's, <laughs> <laughs> let's do some shameless plugs. Um, let me start off real quick before I forget. Um, Sean and Alan are letting me give away another copy of Two Rooms and a Boom for any lucky winner. Any Wait, any lucky person, I guess you're not a winner yet, who leaves us a review in iTunes. So if you want to, one, help us out by leaving us a review in iTunes, that would be awesome. But two, it gives you a chance of winning a free copy of Two Rooms at a Boom. Uh, we just gave our, uh, we're just about to send out the last month's winner's copy soon here. We just got the information from him. So congrats again. Uh, but Orange is the new love. That is correct. Yeah. yeah. Congrats uh, so again. Head over to iTunes, leave us a five star review. That would be great. I guess four stars is acceptable. Three will kind of let pass. Um, but leave us a review. That helps other people find the show easier. Uh, much appreciated. The more stars you provide, the greater your chances of winning. Not sure if that's true or not, but <laughs> I like to that. say it to encourage you to add we more stars. That. Uh, yeah. But that's that's my shameless plug I think I have. Um, and I then, as always, SBJ. What if they don't have iTunes or an iPhone? Uh, if, well, I don't Get know. One. Get one. Get one. We'll, we'll come up with something eventually. We're not there yet. but Yeah, yeah we're, we're not even at episode 10 yet. Yes, double digits. Um, the only other thing I have is if you guys have any questions, board game or non-board game related, that you want to ask us, that you want us to read on the show, you can email us at podcast at Tuesday Night Games, and then uh, we have a, we have a couple questions sitting, but we're just kind of waiting to get a couple more, and then we'll read and answer those, and hopefully address any concerns you have. So, yeah, uh, please, please, please email us, and don't forget it's Tuesday night spelled with a K. As in, a knight in shining armor. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'll flip it over to you guys. Sean, let's hear a shameless plug. What do you have? Shameless plug. I think you should buy 10 copies of Two Rooms and a Boom each. 
don't forget to kickstart World Championship Russian Roulette coming possibly Soon. this year or early next year. We're actually running out of terms at a boom. We're going to be out in a few months here, maybe a little bit less, depending oh, on how man. the holidays go. Oh, man. So your last chance to get first edition of Two Rooms and a Boom running it's out. Coming up. Yeah. Wow. And if you love my Twitter handle, it is in the <laughs> copy of Two Rooms and a Boom. Oh, that's right. Dragging a Lake is in there, isn't it? Yeah. I think it's one wow. of two under the Wisconsin flag. Nice. See, that's something I would love is to have our podcast have enough followers that our games could contain giant inside jokes. Like in the box, it would say, Two Rooms and a Boom, now with more Dragging a Lake. And people would be like, what? <laughs> That would be really, really cool. All right. I got two shameless plugs. One is for Matthew Rivaldi from Wiggity Bang Games. Uh, I want to give him a shout out because he made a game, uh, Quelf and Furt. And when he heard we were going to Hasbro, he sold those games to bigger game publishers. And he totally reached out to me and said, hey, man, if you have uh, need any advice or anything like that, and that's just plus two to cool for him. So thanks, Matt. I really appreciate your offer for helping us and making it that much less intimidating. I still haven't taken him up on the offer though. So I didn't call him, but it's nice to know that we do have someone inside. So I'll be calling him soon. And the other one, I've got this uh, pitch right here, shameless plug for Soylent. Soylent, it's not people. It (laughs) is a complete meal replacement. If you want to live on one thing and one thing alone, there's Soylent. But if you want to enjoy food and your time eating, there's also Soylent because eat for wanting. Don't eat because of necessity. Soylent. It's not people. They don't sponsor us, do they? <laughs> no, but they should. And maybe we'll we'll get them. <laughs> we'll get them. All right. We already got the Buffalo Wild Wings account. Let's make sure we get the Soylent account. That's right. That's right. They didn't pay us this week, though. So we couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. I should say. behind over there. Yeah, come on, get it together. What are they running a Kickstarter? <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome. Uh, well, I think that wraps up our show for you guys today. Uh, Alan, where can our listeners find you? I accept any friend requests on Facebook because I'm lonely. And <laughs> at Alan Gerding, Twitter. That's A L A N G E R D I N G. D-I-N-G. Oh, awesome. Sean, where can they find you? At Sean McCoy, S-E-A-N-M-C-C-O-Y. Awesome. And you guys can find me on Twitter. It is at Dragging A Lake. And I think that's all we have for you guys. So we will see you guys next week. Um, BGG Con. And you can find Sean and Alan at BGG Con um, this weekend, this coming weekend. By the time you listen to this. If you're listening to this on the appropriate week. (laughs) Otherwise, I think uh, I don't. I can't remember how to close the show. Say this episode is. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. This episode is finished. Was that Sean? <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs>